We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Bellato. And I'm starting to get really excited, Nick. We're at this point days away from the Giants 2023 week one opener. And with that excitement comes a lot of exciting talk. So we're going to do today a little episode here on the breakout picks that we have for the New York Giants football team in 2023 after that we're going to have a sleepers podcast we're also going to have a podcast later in the week breaking down the five things that have us most excited about this giants team we're gonna have a final thoughts podcast just before the game and maybe some other stuff too we don't know but those are the big things on the agenda right now nick but before we do that nick i want to qualify what we mean by breakout and then what we mean by sleeper on that episode we'll do that by breakout what we mean is this a player who can far exceed expectations but not in the sense of a sleeper as in they're not being discussed enough. A sleeper is someone who hasn't been discussed enough or the narrative hasn't really focused on them in training camp in the preseason. A breakout could be anyone who the narrative has focused on, but we believe has a chance to have their best season yet as a giant and potentially be a much bigger impact player than some of who these sleepers are. We always have this debate on Fantasy Football Today, Nick, about what actually is a sleeper and what actually is a breakout. There's no real definition, but that's the those are the parameters we are using today. So our breakout picks from last year, Nick, now that we can go over that, we hit on three of four. Now, we might have had more, but these are the ones I remember. Andrew Thomas, who had already broken out in 2021, we said would be breaking out as a top three offensive tackle in the NFL last year. I think he succeeded in that. We had Dexter Lawrence. That one's obvious. We had Saquon Barkley. That one is pretty obvious as well. We also had Xavier McKinney. That was a miss. So can't get them all right, Nick. But And I don't remember the rest, but we hit on a few last year. We're going to hope to go 100% this year, but that's obviously not as easy to do as, it's, as it is to say it. Dexter Lawrence one was a slam dunk, though. It was like he's going to be playing a little bit more nose. We had a high regard for Andre Patterson, rightfully so, for the way he has developed and groomed defensive linemen when he was with Minnesota. And that one just was a slam dunk. I'm absolutely ecstatic about it. And I expect to see Dexter Lawrence retain that. Now with Leonard Williams, Ashawn Robinson, and Nacho playing next to him, I think it's going to alleviate some of the burden on him. He's not going to be playing the fourth most defensive line snaps at 345 pounds. Hopefully not, but he'll be out there on those key in those key situations to rush the passer and just absolutely dominate like we got used to seeing last year. Yeah, he could be even more productive on a per-snap basis now being spelled, Nick. So here's how we're going to do it today. And I did spare you all some golf talk, but I'm going to give you 10 seconds right now, Nick. I had my uh, – two days ago, I had playing with my brother and my dad. 
really important day for me because I have to show out in front of my brother. The, the worst outings of my career have been in front of Matt. I have a lot of pressure. And I'm happy to say I had the first birdie of my life that day. And then I had a second birdie on the back nine. I had two birdies in a single day. And after both birdies, especially after the first one, me and my brother had a jump hug celebration. It was such an awesome experience. That's the first sign, two birdies in a day. And I actually almost broke That's what good. I was trying to do all summer, Nick. I was trying to break 100 this summer. I got 100 on the dot, which is devastating because I had a seven on the last par four, which is just when the pressure's on, obviously, it makes it a lot more difficult. And I knew I was close to that 100, uh, to breaking 100. But that's all the golf talk for today. I was just very excited about it. I'll get there. I'm going to break 100 this fall. I, I feel Yes, confident. you are. I'm getting yes, close. you are. But I have faith in you. All right. Thank you, Nick. I'm getting off the tee great already for year one, according to Matt. So I'm very excited about that. I just need a little bit of work on the irons in the short game, but that will come with time. All right, Nick, let's get into what people are here for. And it's not golf talk. It's New York Giants. The way we're going to do this is we're going to bounce back picks, our breakout picks uh, back and forth going, you know, in, in no particular order. We may have some of the same. Nick and I may have some different ones, but I want to do it in the way like this, Nick. I want to do the breakouts we're most confident in to least confident in, if that makes sense. And so it essentially means like we're not ranking like who will be the best of these players first to last, right? Like a breakout for one player whose expect expectations are lower than another could be is going to be different, right? Like a breakout for Saquon Barkley, we're not going to use him. Let's say we use him is different than a breakout for Jalen Hyatt, for example, and things of that nature. So with that said, Nick, I'll let you go first. Give me your first breakout Giants player for the 2023 season. I'm going to go with one Kayvon Thibodeau as a breakout candidate coming off of what's up, Dan. Uh, I'm just going to do anytime that we have the same breakout pick, I'll give a little ding and you can do the same. So ding, that's a double breakout okay. Ding, double breakout pick for Kayvon Thibodeau coming off of a 40 pressure season with four sacks. You look at that on its face and you say, okay, that's good. He's getting after the quarterback, but a little bit underwhelming from the sack department, especially considering two of those sacks were unblocked. You want to see your top five overall pick have more true wins against these offensive tackles. And, you know, there are reasons why he was held. People say that. And yes, there that is a that is a true statement, but a little bit of an excuse as well. And I think Kayvon Thibodeau would be the first person to say that. I expect Kayvon Thibodeau to have probably a little bit more pressures than just 40. And I expect the sack number, him actually getting home to, I wouldn't say skyrocket, but definitely ascend. And one thing that I really wanted to note, because he did not have a disappointing rookie season. It was fine. He had two plays that you can argue were plays that helped the Giants win their football games against the Baltimore Ravens and then the Washington Commanders. So it's not like he was a disappointment. But you did expect maybe a little bit more, expect him to get home a little bit more. I think he's going to have a lot more one-on-one -on -one matchups because of Martindale's scheme and because he's going to have a healthy Aziz Ojolari, who I'm sure we'll be talking about, and also Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams and a bunch of fresh bodies all throughout the defensive line. So Kayvon Thibodeau is that number one guy I want to highlight. Yeah, Thibodeau's definitely on my list up there as well. Not my number one breakout just because I'm doing it based on value type breakouts with that formula, but I want to say this about Kayvon Thibodeau. He was top 20 in total quarterback hits last year, Nick, despite playing 33% fewer snaps than the top pass rushers. So just to get inside that top 20 without playing all those snaps, obviously due to the injury, shows me a lot about his ability to get home, hit the quarterback, impact the play. I think he is most responsible for the Giants win against the commanders that basically decided if they were going to make the playoffs or not last season. 
you could say it was Daniel Jones that game. You could say it was Saquon Barkley. You'd be wrong because the Giants didn't score any points on offense that game and had a touchdown created simply by Kayvon Thibodeau with a forced sack fumble and a recovery in the end zone for a touchdown. So just the ability to single-handedly win a game was impressive to me. And I'm looking at the projection side of this, Nick, and I think based on what I've seen in the preseason, he may be a step quicker. I think for sure we think there could be a big jump from a hand usage standpoint. And that could really be the differentiator because last year, you're right. If you look at the pass rush proto ticket, productivity number and just to give you guys a little example or a little breakdown of what that is according to uh, pro football focus a formula that combines sacks hits and hurries relative to how many times the pass rusher has a chance to rush the passer and Kayvon Thibodeau was not good in that metric last year he was one of not not one of the worst but he was bottom uh, bottom half in that metric last year so he didn't have a lot of those one-on wins that we were expecting last year but I think with a big jump in hand usage Nick like we saw in the preseason on that one rep uh, where he had the quarterback hit and it was a really nice play by him he could really take that jump in turning those pass rush opportunities into more hits into more pressures more importantly and then hopefully into more sacks I think we're looking at a player who has one of the best get-offs in the NFL, in my opinion, or at least out of the players who have come into the NFL over the last couple of years. I think he has the best at get-off on the Giants. I think he just needs to kind of figure out how to rush the passer, and that could happen as soon as this season. Look at the jump we saw from Dexter Lawrence last season, season working with Andre Patterson, and that's going to be something that could potentially happen with Thibodeau as well. I actually disagree. I don't think he has the best get-off on the New okay. York Giants. You can get I think yeah, Ojolari is quicker than Kayvon Thibodeau off the snap, in my opinion. You mentioned how his PRP wasn't that great, but his pass rush win percentage against true pass sets was at a 13.1% mark. You want that to be, because I believe that's against one-on-one -on -one true pass sets. It's not when you're double teamed or when there's a tight end there to chip. You want that to be a little bit higher. And there's another player we'll be going over here in a little bit that had a, a significantly higher percentage with a much lower snap rate, which hopefully will also improve this year. Yeah, exactly. He's going to have to win more of those one-on-ones, and that could happen with with a, with a increased hand usage. I am very confident, Thibodeau. He'd probably be my second pick there for breakouts. For my first pick, I'm going to go with Isaiah Simmons. I am all in on the Isaiah Simmons train, Nick. I just, listening to Xavier McKinney talk about him, listening to some of these Giants coaches and players talk about him, he's a different kind of athlete that they have on the field than anyone at that second level, including Bobby Okereke, who's a damn good athlete himself. And if you had to rely on Isaiah Simmons to play the position he's played for the Cardinals his entire career, for the majority of his career, it would be harder for me to call him a breakout pick, but you don't have to rely on that. As Dory Jackson said, Wink Martindale knows how to put these players in the right position for them to succeed. And I think Isaiah Simmons is going to play in a role that is going to be so well suited for what his skill set is on the edge, less in the less, you know, not as much off ball linebacker in the middle of the defense, more on the edge where he can every single snap give you the ability to either drop in coverage and be a, and be a presence there. And honestly, I think he could be the best edge guy they have dropping coverage. He should be. He's the most athletic by far. His experience playing the deep path as a safety, his experience in coverage as a linebacker, but also as a pass rusher where they're the most excited about. The Giants are very excited about what he brings as a pass rusher. And the stats do a good job of backing up on limited opportunities, smaller sample size, but he has been an effective pass rusher. And that's without Wink Martindale scheming him up. And you know, Nick, we're going to see some one-on-ones for Isaiah Simmons in the pass rush game. We're going to see some snaps where he is one-on-one -on -one against a running back in pass production. And he is a mismatch every single time he gets to go against that running back in pass protection. So whether it's him dropping in coverage or rushing the passer, either way, having him on the edge of your defense, and it's not going to be the same role that Clemson used him at. Because remember, 
he was a really, really productive player at Clemson. All ACC one year, one of the best players they had on defense. It wasn't like he was just drafted because he blew up the combine. That was part of why he went so high in the top 10, but that wasn't the sole reason. The production was there at college, and I think the role he's going to play for the Giants is going to be closer to what he played at Clemson, Nick, than what he played with the Cardinals, and that alone to me is going to give him an opportunity to get back to what he does best, and I just have really high expectations for him. It's crazy because they only gave up a seventh-round pick to get him, but I think at the end of the season, this one's going to be a win for me. I think I'm going to be right, and Simmons is going to be a much bigger impact player for the Giants than people realize. What gets you paid in the NFL, Dan? Sacking the quarterback. Yeah. Sacking the quarterback, getting after the quarterback. That is Isaiah Simmons' job. If you look at how the Giants are going to use Isaiah Simmons, he is, in terms of sub packages, the most versatile defender the New York Giants have. And it's funny because he can't really play the run. You don't want him out there. That's why I say in terms of sub packages, you get him in big dime, you get him in quarter, you can do whatever the hell you want from him. I think they're going to rush him a lot. I think that's going to be his primary role, but there's going to be those times where he drops in the middle hook. There's going to be those times where he mans up. There's going to be those times where he drops to a post safety, which is a single high cover one type of look. They can do whatever they want, but there are rare athletes in the NFL guy like Isaiah Simmons is a rare athlete who can handle so many different responsibilities. Just don't really trust him on those early downs. But I do think, Dan, he is the most versatile sub-package defender they have. And Wink Martindale is one of the best sub-package coordinators in the league. Yeah, you said that perfectly, Nick. I think if the Giants coaching staff was different, we wouldn't feel like this would be a breakout pick. And if the Giants coaching staff was different, we wouldn't have seen all of the breakouts and all of the success stories we saw from the 2022 Giants last year. But with the perfect coordinator for him, and Wink is that, because like you said best there, Nick, he's the best sub-package coordinator in the NFL. That gives him the opportunity to actually realize his potential versus a lot of these other players. I mean, look at what we saw happen with Daniel Jones, Dexter Lawrence. The list goes on from last season. They had career years, and the coaches got the most out of them. And that, to me, is what's going to happen with Isaiah Simmons this year. So let's move on to another breakout pick of yours. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Aziz Ojolari. I basically alluded to him the entire time I was talking about Kayvon Thibodeau. And in terms of those stats that we were going over before, Aziz Ojolari's PRP is double Kayvon Thibodeau's, just under double at like 15.6 for whatever that is worth. It's a formula that Pro Football Focus uses. And that's only a formula. We're talking about numbers here. His win rate was also about 6% higher, 6 or 7% higher than Kayvon Thibodeau's. And again, we're talking about numbers here. Just turn on the film. Aziz Ojolari, to me, he had a good rookie season. Some of his sacks, they were coverage sacks, him in pursuit. Were, I think he had like two or three or two sacks against Carolina that they were at the end of the game, and, and it was against, I don't even remember the quarterback's name that they brought in after they took Sam Darnold out that year. Aziz Ojolari was explosive last year. He was bendy. He was flexible. The amount of stress that he was able to put on his individual joints in his lower half in his knees, in his feet. I was very surprised by it. I think he's more explosive than Kayvon Thibodeau. And I think if we get a healthy season from Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau, you're going to see them both feast. But together, it's going to create so many one-on-one matchups. It's going to allow those big guys in the middle to thrive. And it's also going to set up free rushes and one-on-one matchups for players like Isaiah Simmons, who we just talked about. I don't think we can comfortably say that Aziz Ojolari or Kayvon Thibodeau truly broke out yet. I think we started seeing flashes of light on the breakout that is to come. But I think this season, if they're healthy, we will see it. So I'm going to go with Aziz. I love that pick. He's next up for me as well, Nick. I think you outlined the case really well there. The only things I would add to that are one, he was overall the 15th best pass rush productivity player. And again, that's combining sacks, hits, and hurries, dividing by how many opportunities they have to rush the passer. 15th best among uh, edges that played at least 20% of the team snaps and 
Film-wise, as you mentioned, the get-off was good. The explosion was good. But I think really where it stood out was the edge, the bend, the bendiness that he has by far and away the best on the Giants roster. And you could compare it on film to, in my opinion, some of the better pass rushers, not the best, but some of the better pass rushers in the NFL from an edge-bend standpoint. And if you can get a guy who can bend the edge like that in a Wink Martindale defense, that will give you a lot of opportunities, as evidenced by his 15th best pass rush productivity number. But, Nick, what has me most excited about the potential breakout is the fact that last year, he played through an injury. He had a bad calf injury that he suffered in the preseason in that joint practice. He tried to come back from it too soon. It re-injured itself. He had other injuries It's uh, uh, as, you know, compensation injuries. He was never 100% at any point last season, Nick. And playing through that, he still looked the way he did on film. Now we have a clean offseason. No injuries in training camp. No injuries in the preseason and the limited snaps that he had. That's a really good sign because he comes back to this fully healthy after putting out good tape despite playing through the injury. To some extent, he could be argued to have the big, biggest upside of anyone we've even talked about so far, including Thibodeau, including uh, Simmons, just based on the fact that he was playing hurt last year and was still that productive as a pass rusher. So we'll talk about this in a future episode, Nick, but I don't think enough excitement has built around what this Giants front could look like this year, this yeah. five-man front. Because in my opinion, and we'll talk about it more in a future episode, this could literally be the lifeblood of this team if they win 10 or 11 or 12 games this year. It could literally be that they have one of the most dominant fronts in the NFL between Dexter Lawrence, healthy Leonard Williams, Ashawn Robinson, Aziz Ojolari, and Kayvon Thibodeau. That is five horses right there. That if they hit their ceiling or even remotely come close to that range of outcomes, the top range of outcomes, we could be looking at one of the best fronts in the NFL straight up. And it's not a homer thing to say. It's not a homer thing to say. And what is that going to do? It's going to alleviate the pressure on Trey Hawkins, the third and Deontay Banks and a Dory Jackson and the safeties. Because if you can get after the passer with four, even though we know Wink is going to bring pressure, then it's going to really facilitate the quarterback's clock. And the quarterback is going to throw the ball possibly into a precarious situation where some breakouts might actually happen in the secondary with guys like Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins, the third, even though they're rookies. Yep, you nailed it. All right, Nick, I'm going to get into another one of my breakouts here after Aziz, and it's Bobby Okereke. The reason yeah. I think Bobby Okereke could be a legit breakout, and some might say he's already broken out in the NFL, but I think he could be an even bigger breakout and have an even have a literal career year with the Giants is because of the match with Wink Martindale. What we've always heard about Wink Martindale is one thing he wants most from that Mike linebacker is speed and athleticism because that's how he feels. It, that's the type of profile that he feels best fits his system. And that's the type of profile that he feels he needs for the other positions to operate within his system. And he gets that with Bobby Okereke. Bobby Okereke last year had the 12th most run stops in the NFL, 53. And that is another stat from PFF, an advanced stat that basically tackle. Uh, it, it's it's what it's a tackle that constitutes a failure for the offense, which I believe is two yards or, or two and a half yards or less, or, you know, a tackle for loss. And he was top 12 in that. He had the ninth most total tackles in the NFL, Nick. But the reason I think he could be in for a breakout with Wink Martindale specifically, Nick, is the fact that this, he only had 24 snaps last year, just 24 snaps last year, Nick, where he was asked to rush the passer. That was 54th out of 56 linebackers who played at least 50% of their team snaps. He had three pressures despite only having 24 snaps, which is not bad. But you know Wink Martindale is going to give him a lot more than 24 snaps rushing the passer. That's what Wink Martindale does. And I think from what I've seen on tape, 
He has the speed and the explosion to fit a more aggressive role in the middle of the defense where he can have the opportunity to rush the passer through the A gap, through the B gap, and really take advantage of those running backs in pass protection or, you know, a mistake or something where the center or the guard is, is not, you know, on the right page with each other and they pass it off and Bobby O'Karake is running free. So I think that's where the breakout lies. The fact that really Indianapolis, they used him in a solid way. Obviously, he was a productive player, but they didn't use him as a pass rusher. And I think Wink Martindale will. And that's where the breakout comes from for me. I love that. And you know, you're going to see it. How many times did we see even Michael McFadden or Jalen Smith in the backfield off cross dog <laughs> blitzes or just because the Giants crowd the line of scrimmage and the center and the guard are like, <laughs> Dexter Lawrence, we got to worry about him running back. Good luck. That's another thing that Wink Martindale does is even when the offense keeps six in the protection, he does a good job confusing the running back and putting his players, his defensive alignment into a position where the running back is like, shit, do I have to go out to the edge or do I take the A gap? And that that creates these free rushes from the linebacker. So I I love the fact that you chose Bobby Okereke because Bobby Okereke, if I'm not mistaken, in his career, he has what? He had three pressures last year. He has 23 pressures total. In 2021, he was used a little bit more aggressively at 15 total pressures and a sack. So it's well within his arsenal. You know he's a great athlete. And he was also on my breakout list, but I was a little bit hesitant to, to say because I'm like, he kind of has already broken out. But when you qualify it with, Hey, from a pass rush perspective, we're going to see something different from Bobby O'Karake that hasn't been consistent through all of his seasons. Then I'm right there with you. Awesome, Nick. All right, let's get to another one of your breakouts. I don't know how many more you have. I got a few more. Uh, let's see if we connect on any of them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons. And one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less, yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. 
They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. You will not regret it. This is Dan Schneier of the Big Blue Banter Podcast. In case you didn't know, The show you're listening to right now is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. And now Blue Wire currently has 300 shows with athletes, celebrities, passionate fans like myself. I found Blue Wire right around the time when I started the Big Blue Banter podcast. When I started Big Blue Banter in 2018, I had an idea for a show, a name for a show, and then I had to figure out how to monetize that show and grow that show. That's when I found Blue Wire. Kevin Jones put everything on the line for this company and then found us and this show a way to monetize the content with strategy sessions, provided us new segments, connect us with podcasters, and even gave us an opportunity to record in the Win Vegas studio. Blue Wire has now raised over $10 million privately to grow and operate the business, and they're raising another round right now on WeFunder to expand the sales team and improve the operations. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It gives everyone an opportunity to be a part of the growing startup. This is not a donation. You're investing to own a piece of BlueWire. If you would like to be a part of the BlueWire investment round or you want to find out more information, go to WeFunder.com slash BlueWire. And remember, supporting BlueWire is another way to support our show and this podcast. Nick, you ever been in the spot where you just felt like, I've got a few hours to go. I'm going to this game. I'm buying tickets. I don't have the tickets yet. You're stressing. The anxiety is at an all-time high. You're trying to figure out what the heck you can do to get to this game. That happened to me a few years ago when the Wisconsin Badgers made the Sweet 16 game in the Madison Square Garden. My dad, diehard Badgers fan, the reason I went to Wisconsin, the reason I am a Badgers fan, I needed to get him tickets for that game. It was his birthday. So I'm stressing. I don't know what to do. And then, boom, I figure it out. I use the GameTime app. The GameTime app is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and anything near you. They got killer deals, last-minute tickets. You click open the app, and you're shocked to see that you can actually go to these games, having a good time, and not actually have to pay so much money that it breaks your bank account. Stanley Cup Final Week 1 this past season. I used the GameTime app last second. It was actually past the time of puck drop. Went on the app. I was in Vegas. Saw the Vegas Golden Knights defeat the Florida Panthers. And I also used the GameTime app to buy my entire family when they came out here to Phoenix to visit me to see Tom Segura's special, which is actually the same special Netflix used for their videotapings. And I love it because you can find so much on the app. Like you get an actual image of the seat view. Not like you're buying a seat with an obstructed view. It's an actual image. You know what you're getting. Lowest prices that I've seen by far, and that's their guarantee. You get an event cancellation protection, job loss protection. They go all out here to make sure that this is a great experience for the user. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code BANTER. That's B-A-N-T-E-R for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code BANTER. B-A-N-T-E-R for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
I'm going to go to the offense because we've been focusing a lot on the defense. And I don't necessarily have it statted out this way, but I see a pathway to where this can happen. And it's another former Indianapolis Colt in Paris Campbell, who's coming off of a career year for him having 63 catches for 623 yards and three touchdowns. We know that he has a relationship with Mike Rowe, which is one of the reasons why the Giants brought him in here. But he's also a very explosive athlete. If you go back to his time at Ohio State, and we know his career, he's been injured. He had all of these foot injuries and all these lower body injuries. He finally assembled his his one healthy season, and they didn't have a quarterback last year. And really all throughout his year, even when he was healthy, he was playing with guys who couldn't push the ball vertically. And it's not that Paris Campbell is necessarily a deep threat. I think he has that within his arsenal. I think the Giants are going to use him close to the line of scrimmage. But I just think he's going, if he stays healthy, going to be a consistent short to intermediate target who can make people miss in space and be a yak option. What if, What's one thing we've seen, Dan? so far through training camp, just in videos that are releasing from, from practice and also in that one preseason drive. It seems like the Giants, and we know this is how they called plays last year, loved using these athletic types like a Paris Campbell on play-action bootlegs with, the, with Paris Campbell basically operating as a wingback. We know that the Giants used pony personnel a lot last year with Matt Breida, especially down the stretch. I think that's still going to exist. Paris Campbell is also going to slide into that role and it's going to be 11 personnel only with those pony personnel looks with Paris Campbell operating in the Matt Breida role. There's going to be a lot of low A dot type of targets for Paris Campbell and it's just going to be Paris Campbell make someone miss in space. Paris Campbell embarrass somebody and then you're also going to see him used on those deep crossers, those drag routes. So I have Paris Campbell as a potential breakout here with the New York Giants. It's unfortunate he's only here for a one-year deal. So if that does happen, they'll likely use lose him in free agency, yeah, but then the Giants will get a comp pick for it maybe. True, true. That would actually, yeah, you're right about that. And that's a great pick. I, he didn't quite make my breakout list just because I had such a tough time figuring out breakouts at wide receiver because I'm just, it's, so it's, tough. A, it's a snap percentage thing for me. It's a snap check. If they do go with the rotation, I think it's possible. It's going to be hard for any of them to break out. But I love the pick for a multitude of reasons. One, because as you mentioned, we saw what they tried to do with Wandell Robinson before his injury last year. With, like you said, a little bit of that running, a little bit of snaps from the backfield. That he is the best bet as far as someone who could do that this year. And that will give him more value as well. I also think, you know, one area where he hasn't been used a lot, but we've seen some good flashes is in the vertical passing game. And we should certainly know that he has the speed to do it. Obviously against the giants, we saw the one, you know, the one opportunity he had where he honestly made a really good play on the ball. Like it was not a good throw, just kind of just a hospital ball thrown up there that he like adjusted to well in the air, had good body control, made the catch. That's part of his skill set that I don't think people give him credit for, by the way, his body control in the air and his ability to make plays on the ball in the air. But the speed, it was obvious. I mean, you look at the testing time, if he's fully back to what he was there, and I think he's shown flashes of that in training camp, had some big moments in training camp early, went a little quiet later in camp. Um, but outside of that, which, which, you know, was probably more by design. We didn't see him a lot in the preseason. They didn't want to risk a re-injury there. So I really like that pick. If he can get the playing time, I think he has a really good chance to break out. And honestly, if he can get the playing time, you could make the case that he's the most explosive option for the giants and the most maybe well-rounded option. When you consider that he can play in the backfield, like you said, win on the vertical plane and win on the short and intermediate.
I wouldn't say the most explosive. That'd be Jalen Hyatt. But sure. in terms of the overall versatility, yeah, I think you can align him anywhere. Mike Rowe, when Mike Rowe was his wide receiver coach before he got injured that year, was aligning him outside a lot more than he aligned him in the slot. He's labeled as a, a lot of these guys in the Giants are labeled slot, and I've called them the slot machine. I think it's fun. But Jalen Hyatt, Sterling Shepard, Paris Campbell, all of those guys can align outside. And I'm confident in their skill set, at least Jalen Hyatt from what we've seen so far. Really, the only true slot guy would be Cole Beasley, who's on the IR on the practice squad and then Wandell Robinson because I think Sterling Shepard can have success on the outside which he proved when Jason Garrett was the coordinator and now you actually have you know more modern progressive offensive play callers who can position him a little bit better than Sterling Shepard when he was with Garrett yeah plus also what have we seen from Kafka and Dable we've seen that they're not afraid to not have the traditional wide receiver sets with two boundary guys they'll mix guys in in a bunch they'll put still stack receivers on the line of scrimmage they'll do different things to kind of get away from that traditional Ben McAdoo boundary boundary slot and you're going to see guys like Isaiah Hodgins aligned in the slot. And that's also because the Giants like running plays like crack yeah, toss and who's your best blocking wide receiver. But you're also going to throw the football to him because he's very good at manipulating space and finding the voids in zones. And that's just one of the things I love the most about the New York Giants wide receiving core. Obviously, the coaching staff is going to find ways to maximize the potential and the talent there. But it's also you can interchange them a lot. There's really no one that's truly rigid other than maybe Wandell. But I think a healthy Wandell Robinson is also someone who's phenomenal in space. And we know he was handpicked to operate in that role by this coaching staff in this regime. I think the giants wide receiver core in general is sneaky, exciting and sneaky. Good this year. Don't think they're getting a lot of hype. No one drafts them in fantasy, but from a depth standpoint, I really feel comfortable with the talent of every single one of those options. Depth wise. Like I think the giants probably have a better wide receiver four, five, six than most teams in the NFL right yep. now. I'd have to do a depth chart check to see if that's the case. Uh, this is just really off the top of my head, but Honestly, they had that was not the case last year. Their wide receiver four, five, six was awful. Like probably one of the worst. If you went that deep down the depth chart, we were getting into really bad spots there. And just the way they accrued talent this year gave them an opportunity, in my opinion, to have an edge from a depth standpoint. Wide receiver one, according to a lot of us people who even cover the New York Giants, was terrible for the Giants last year because it was right. Kenny Galladay. So a lot of this stuff does end up changing. But you're right. I, I feel like the Giants are very deep. It just it's going to come down to injuries because guys like Paris Campbell have an injury history. Obviously Sterling Shepard does and Wando Robinson was just activated off the pup. So if those guys can stay healthy, I feel very confident about the Giants wide receiver core. Okay, Nick, I got three more breakout picks. I don't know how many of you have more and some of these will probably be the same. I'm going to go with my next one here and my next breakout pick is quarterback Daniel Jones. So the breakout case for Daniel Jones is a second year in the system, actual depth at wide receiver, actual talent at wide receiver, actual explosiveness, which I think they already had in one guy, Darius Slayton, that people don't really give him credit for. But now they have it in two guys with Jalen Hyatt. And let's be honest, Jalen Hyatt has a different second gear and a different level of explosiveness and speed than even Darius Slayton. So now you get that. And you have the biggest mismatch potentially outside of Travis Kelsey in the NFL in Darren Waller at six foot six with that kind of speed playing as basically a big slot receiver in the middle of your offense. It is really difficult to, for you as a defense to find the one-on-one -on -one matchups. And you know, Mike Kafka and Brian Dable will be scheming up one-on-one -on -one matchups for this kid, Darren Waller, for this player, Darren Waller, where you have, can feel comfortable as a coordinator with having one guy on your defense play against him one-on-one. -on -one. And even if you do feel comfortable as a coordinator by having one guy on your defense playing Darren Waller, what does that say? And what does that do for the rest of your scheme and the rest of your defense? Because you're probably utilizing one of your most valuable players at safety. Or if you have the line, if you have like a Bobby Wagner, which is like one team to defend somebody like Darren Waller, and you're taking him out of the play because obviously Kafka and Dable will adjust to that and they'll move him and put him in spots where 
Here's Darren Wall over here. Fake like you're cooking this way. Bounce back this way to Barkley. Now we got blockers in front of him or something like that. You know, there's plenty of different uh, creative ways that they can get him going. So I just think for Daniel Jones, year two of the system, potentially better offensive line play. I'm crossing my fingers and hoping yeah. for that. I feel confident in what JMS can offer. Neil to me is still a bit of a question mark. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic there, but definitely a bit of a question mark, but second year in the system, so much better talent and more, and just more importantly, just having a mismatch guy on offense. Like how many teams, Nick, we, we, it, it's maybe an exercise for another day, but how many teams have this type of mismatch on a snap to snap basis that the giants have with Darren Waller in their offense? Because you can talk about like trying to think of some guy like, uh, let's think of like a DJ Moore, even for example, right? A, a considered a pretty good wide receiver one. I hate to say it, but like he's not the biggest mismatch. Like defenses aren't like doing everything in their power to have to scheme against him. It's not like the same thing, in my opinion, as having a Darren Waller on the field who's six foot six and can move like that and can make those catches away from his frame. So I just feel like giving Jones that option finally for the first time in his career, basically, actually not basically, definitely, in addition to giving him speed and explosiveness with Hyatt. And the depth with players like Campbell and Wandell and everyone you go through there, it's just setting him up to potentially be have the a career year as a passer and even beat out his rookie season. I'm right there with you. Daniel Jones should beat out his rookie season, especially with this coaching staff, how they call plays, how they're going to scheme a lot of these guys open and it's on those guys to create yards after the catch. But Daniel Jones is in the best spot that he's ever been in. His confidence is sky high. He was just paid. He has a healthy Saquon Barkley. They returned guys like Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard, who he trusted. Now you had, like you said, Darren Waller, the equation and other pass catchers like Paris Campbell, Isaiah Hodgins comes back. I think the Giants passing attack is in a good place. And now we just need to actually see a manifest on the football field, which isn't a guarantee, but I also have Daniel Jones as a breakout. Yeah, you nailed it, Nick. And I think, look, think, listen, think about it like this. Daniel Jones' first year working with this staff, this amazing coaching staff we love. We saw noticeable improvements in a key in a bunch of key areas, specifically, yeah. obviously, his pocket manipulation and pocket presence, but also in his ability to create plays off script when he's forced to leave the pocket, especially in the red zone. We started to see that really come on at the end of the season. How about year two? Like we can expect that he'll have another jump in some regard. We're already starting to see signs of one area where he could take a massive jump in year two, and that's throwing from a multitude of arm angles, from different arm angles. We've seen it throughout training camp. We've seen it throughout the preseason and the joint practices. He's changed up that arm slot, and he's made some big-time throws by doing so. It also feels like last year there was a little bit of a jump in the velocity. I know some people debate if a quarterback's arm strength and velocity can really take a big jump, but I got to be honest, looking at the tape, Nick, I feel like it has taken at least a noticeable jump i don't know if we can say sizable jump but lower half training getting your core strong getting your legs strong driving from your base obviously driving your heels into the ground when you throw the football so you have that strong base because obviously you know and this is something i learned from um jto sullivan because i watch a lot of quarterback film room from him his big thing is like watch the quarterback's feet on the throw are they are the heels clicking or is are they driven into the ground and are you getting that are you able to generate the power from having your feet planted on that ground and and you know driving into it and cr creating force out of it and i think daniel jones showed good signs of doing that as well when he had clean pockets last year which wasn't obviously as often as we would like and that we hope will improve this year it's a big factor in this can evan neil take that step we need him to take but i i don't know man i think there's some kind of jump happening this year with jones i remains to be seen what it is we obviously hope it's throwing with more anticipation and 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 and, you know, creating more explosive plays. But even if he just makes the better plays from those difficult arm slots, like remember the Dallas game last year, the second Dallas game that throw to Saquon Barkley in the flat where 
if he had changed his arm slot on that, I think he makes that completion and Barkley had light years ahead of him probably would have been a touchdown. If we just get that play to turn on its head and now that is a touchdown that already is making a difference already in the games. And I also think the giants, Dan might throw more this year because what was the primary reason why we felt like they weren't throwing the football last year? We had our reservations about Daniel Jones at certain times, right? But he also proved that he can do it in certain games. But it was he just didn't have the talent before Isaiah Hodgins arrived. The, the primary guy we were looking at for a large portion of the season was Wandale Robinson and Daniel Bellinger. So two rookies other than Darius Slayton, of course, Darius Slayton was also seeing a lot of a lot of looks. And he was also a deep threat type of uh, type of player where the Giants were operating their offense more to the short to intermediate parts of the field. So he's relying on a lot of young guys right now. The Giants have a lot of different weapons. And we saw just in the 10 plays that he played during the preseason, they were all passes. A lot of them were bootlegs. A lot of them was just get Daniel Jones out on the move, get the defense guessing, and then that's going to open up the rushing attack. But the Giants, at least since Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley have been here, it was they run the football to set up the pass because of play action. I think the Giants are going to throw the football to set up the run now, and that's a total change in philosophy. You, I think you nailed that because just think back to a year ago where we're at at this exact time. And this goes through like people in the fantasy industry as well. They were looking at Brian Dable's offense with the Bills. They were looking at how insanely pass heavy it was and how the pass game was setting up the run game more than any offense in the NFL. And they're like, okay, the Giants are one of the best opportunities for fantasy value this year because they come from the slowest offense in the NFL that's run heavy. And it didn't happen last year. Like you said, it didn't develop the way we planned or the way we hoped until the end of the year right? Until they finally felt like, okay, we have somebody we rely on in Isaiah Hodgins right here. And Richie James is starting to become a reliable target as well. Well, now you upgrade those targets big time. And I think what you're going to get is Brian Dable running the system as he had hoped, which is through the passing game. And that will provide an opportunity alone for Daniel Jones to take this offense to a new height. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, but I'll get into my next. And this yeah. is somewhat of my final break. I have a lot of guys who are on the fringes of okay. the breakout. And this player kind of is, but I, I can see why one would believe that he is primed for a breakout. And it is Jason Pinnock because okay. Julian Love played about 90, I think it was 89% of the snaps on defense. And some of that might be because Xavier McKinney broke his hand and Julian Love had to assume a different role. But we know in Wink Martindale's system, safeties, specifically safeties who are really good against the run, very physical in their run fits like a Jason Pinnock, they're very valuable. They're going to see the football field a lot. And I think Jason Pinnock is going to see the football field in base personnel as that safety next to Xavier McKinney because it, by all the signs point to the fact that he has won that job. I didn't necessarily expect that to happen so soon. I don't know if you did either, Dan, because we were like, hey, look, second safety, it's up in the air. It could be yeah. Dane Belton. It could be Bobby McCain. It could be Nick McLeod. It could be Jason Pinnock. And then like the first week of training camp, it was like, yeah, Jason Pinnock has that. And he comes away with that one-handed interception. And he's just one of those players athletically. He tested phenomenally, just very explosive and quick. Like I said, also very physical in his run fits, which is important. I think he's one of these guys that we're somewhat sleeping on, even now that he's kind of solidified himself as a starter. He's only 24 years old. Not a lot of people know a lot about him. He doesn't have a high draft pedigree. And we know that Wink Martindale loved to use him on blitzes last year. That was kind of his primary role. Now it seems like they're putting a little bit more meat and potatoes on his plate. I wouldn't be shocked if he seizes that. I mean, like I said, the, the opportunity is in front of him for snaps with Julian Love no longer here. Now it's on him to seize it. And I could see a world where he does. I love that pick as well, Nick. And obviously, you know, we love a lot of each other's picks, but we, but it, that, that's not a bad thing. It's hard to come out, come out with a yeah. list of people we disagree on when we're following this team so closely. But I think one of the big factors here with Jason Pinnock is exactly what you landed on, which is he's his 
level of athleticism and then overall explosiveness and speed for the position of safety and how that fits Wink Martindale's defense. Wink Martindale wants to get a lot of speed and athleticism on the field because of how multiple his defense is, as we've talked about, and because of how, you know, more so than other coordinators in the NFL, he's not afraid to run cover zero. Or he's not afraid to run all these different coverages where you have somebody dropping from the line of scrimmage into the deep half, which we've already seen Jason Pinnock do. So because he has that level of speed and athleticism, I actually think there's a world, and I know I've mentioned this before to you, Nick, but I think there's a world where he plays that Julian Love role better than Julian Love played it last year. And I know that's a little bit of a risky analysis because Julian Love was smart and he was in the right place at the right time. We don't know that Jason Pinnock can carry that over. But just from how his athleticism, speed, and ability to blitz fits this system better than Love, I think there is an opportunity for him to play that role better. I love it, man. And I'm hoping that... uh we get to see a lot of Pinnock and there's other players that we'll go over on the uh, sleeper episode that I hope also step into the safety room and make some splash plays. Yeah. And I got a couple more breakouts. We'll go over to, to finish this off. The first one I'm going to go with is Xavier McKinney, a player who we picked last year to break out who did not actually break out. So last year, Xavier McKinney obviously had the hand injury weird year. He was still, despite having that, Nick, I thought this was an interesting stat, top 30 among safeties in PBUs with three, despite playing half the snaps of the healthy safeties at just 339. So obviously most safeties played above 600, above 700 snaps. He also was the fourth best safety in coverage snaps per reception, allowing one every 32 snaps. But if you look back a year before, Nick, he was the 10th best coverage grade overall among safeties in 2021. He led all safeties with five interceptions in 2021, and he led all safeties with three dropped interceptions in 2021, which shows me, Nick, or at least tells me there was opportunity for more. There was more meat on the bone as far as making plays on the football. Why I think he could break out this year, and it might even be a better case for him to break out this year versus last year, are a few things. One, he's in a contract year. That's just sitting on my mind. That's very important. Two, he's had a fully healthy offseason hasn't had any injuries or nicks up in camp. Captain again, somebody who the Giants rely on on defense. Three, three, with the addition of Jason Pinnock to the Giants defense and Isaiah Simmons to the Giants defense, those two specifically, I think we could start to see his role change a little bit. He might not be as rely. They might not need to rely on him as much to match up against the slot, to match up against a TJ Hawkinson. They might not need to rely on him as much to be in the box because they, and the first one mean, means because they have Isaiah Simmons to match up in man. And the second is because they have Jason Pinnock to play in the box or to move forward down on the line of scrimmage. And if that gives him more opportunities to play in the deep half, that's when I think we'll start to see these big splash plays, these PBUs, these interceptions, these plays on the football that change games like they did, like he did in 2021 with the Giants. So because of the potential for him to play more in these opportunistic situations and coverage, I think he has a really good chance to break out in 2023. And those three PBUs that you mentioned were all downfield because I think he had two or three PBUs just at the line of scrimmage. There was one against Carolina that comes to my mind. There was one against yeah. Green Bay, and there might have been another one. but. The, he had a couple deep. I think he had one against CeeDee Lamb. He had one against the Texans where it might have been an interception. I think that was like the first game that he returned, if I'm not mistaken. But I'm right there with you, man. I still am a big believer in Xavier McKinney. I think he was one of the better values in the 2020 draft. And he really just fell because he ran like a 4-6-4 or, or something. It was, it was in the 4-6s. It wasn't great. But you and I were pretty happy about the fact that the Giants came away with Andrew Thomas and Xavier McKinney with their first two picks, a foundational player on each side of the football. And I'm, I agree, man. I don't think he's fully actualized his true potential. And if the hand injury had something to do with it, I still think you're going to see him blitz. I still think he's going to be in the pressure packages of Wink Martindale. That's just how Wink calls his defense. But seeing him in the post as a single high safety, 
I'm willing to say right now, just because I don't know how Dane Belton is in terms of the mental side. I know he's very smart and people rave about his mental processing. So maybe we'll see that manifest on the football field. Would you say that Xavier McKinney is the safety that you trust the most in the post as a single high safety? 100%. 100%. I still think we're going to see that. We'll see some of those interceptions come like we did in 2021. I also wonder how much of those uh, positive statistics that you laid out were just a factor of the Giants against uh, Las Vegas that year. He had like two interceptions and a pick six against uh, Vegas that yeah, year. Huge day against Derek Carr. That was in the Giants stadium. That was a fun game. Um, yeah, one final pick. This one I juggled with versus Sleeper and Breakout. I just felt like he couldn't be considered a sleeper because he's had so much buzz this preseason and it's Jalen Hyatt, the giants rookie wide receiver. I've come around to his impact being a lot greater than I originally expected so hard because I think about last season, I think about the role Marcus Johnson played earlier in the season until he had that drop against the Jaguars that kind of sealed his fate with the giants. But Jalen Hyatt may not have the stats that constitute a breakout this year, but from an impact standpoint, for those of you who follow this podcast and follow the X's and O's and follow the film and just what his speed and explosiveness could mean for the rest of the offense if he's on the field, it leads me to believe that he's going to play a lot more snaps than people realize. I don't really see too much of a reason to take him off the field because when Hyatt is on the field, your defense needs to play further off the ball if you're a cornerback. Your defense needs to play further off the ball if you're a safety. And all that space created gives more room for Darren Waller, Isaiah Hodgins, and the rest of the Giants wide receiver core, or Saquon Barkley on those flare routes to actually operate in that space and to force missed tackles and to turn these plays that should be six or 10 or 12, 12 or 15 yards into another 10 yards or 15 yards, or who knows a touchdown if things break right. And so the impact he could make maybe is more of just a field stretcher that opens up the, the, uh, the defense a little bit and creates that space for the offense. But I also think there's going to be shot plays for him that the Giants dial up, that they see on tape, that they see throughout a game and then adjust to and create for the second half based off the run game, based off heavy personnel. Like last year, remember, we always talked about like it was interesting to us because it felt a little bit Jason Garrettish when they would bring in Marcus Johnson on the heavy personnel packages with 12 personnel, knowing that like probably this is when we're going to run like a dagger or we're going to run one of these concepts to try to create something for the for a big play for the offense. but. If you have that on the field, you still are in a bind as a defense. Even if you feel like the offense is kind of tipping it off by having Jalen Hyatt out there, reality is you have to allocate a lot of resources to the run game because Saquon Barkley's back there and because the Giants have 12 personnel on the field and they could block it up. And last year, at least, they did a really good job on some of those power and gap run, uh, run plays from a blocking standpoint. So you really can't afford to just play off coverage in those spots. And what is that going to do? Play action, Daniel Jones hits his back foot and dials up the ball deep for Hyatt. And I think we're going to get some really big plays there. I think he has a really good chance to just destroy his draft capital 74th overall and look like just an absolute steal. And I think this breakout to me, Nick, it constitutes more of a film breakout, like I said, less than stats. But I think based on how we judge players, which isn't all on stats, I will look at this. My breakout is that I we will look at Hyatt at the end of the season as the best value pick Joe Shane's made in his tenure. I love that call, especially when Paris Campbell and Wondell Robinson and all of these slot guys, quote unquote, are going to be feasting in the middle of the field because there's so much space that is opened up by Jalen High. Not to mention, Dan, how many air raid concepts did we see in the preseason where it was three by one set and it wasn't Darren Waller as the backside X, which we're going to. 
it was Jalen Hyatt as the backside X. And guess what they told Jalen Hyatt to do? Hey, run a drag and also just run underneath those three receivers who are clearing out space, catch the football. None of those plays worked, but you be damn sure the Giants are going to at least try it against certain defenses, especially if they like those matchups with Jalen Hyatt and speed against a cornerback. Because when you open up those space, you have three receivers releasing vertical. They're all going to become blockers. If you gain a step on that release, if you're Jalen Hyatt, he's gone. And then we just got to see him actually make people miss in space. Something we didn't see too much in college because he was blowing by everybody all the time. Yeah, but at some point we might not even like if those plays are executed the right way. Sometimes we don't even really need to see him make people miss in space. We just need to see him run vertically. And obviously we know he can do it. Like I think back to the play, Nick, this is a great point by you because I think back to the play. I think it was against Minnesota in the second game, the playoff game, but I'm not positive where Darius Slayton ran one of those underneath routes, caught the football and just had miles of space ahead of him. He didn't house that one. I think it was like a 40 something yard gain. If you, if you remember play, right. Yeah. I remember you. Yeah. And so it was drive series. It was drive series. They ran a, they ran a, I can't remember who the receiver was. It might have been Richie James. Cause they did this thing against the Colts and they, and uh, Daniel Jones threw it to Richie James on this play. It's basically like a deep dig, but a, uh, against certain coverages, it turns into a deep crosser and it was a deep dig. And then Darius Slayton was the one who ran the drag route and everybody focused on the dig and Darius Slayton caught the football. And it was a beautiful scheme. If I'm not mistaken, I don't have the play in front of me, but the way the giants did it was they isolated Darius Slayton as Eric Kendricks. Cause they were like, if we release inside, if we do this, the safety is going to take Richie James. And then that's going to isolate Eric Kendricks. And there's no one for Eric Kendricks to pass Darius Slayton off to because there was another player. Cause it was a bunch who was running uh, a route to the outside, which occupied the cornerback. Cause you see on that play, Eric Kendricks point like he's trying to pass off Darius Slayton, but there was no one to pass him off to. So it was just beautiful scheme. You're right. They're going to, they're going to do the same exact thing for Hyatt. And that's the thing, because I love that you brought that up, but I was just thinking about the plays he's going to make on the vertical plane. The plays he's going to make on the horizontal plane could be just as exciting. I wasn't, I'm with you. I, I was there. I thought there was some meat left on the bone as far as creating force missed tackles at the collegiate level. But if you get him in space against a linebacker, he has the step already or against any of the, you know, matchups you prefer. He has the step already. And sometimes he just needs to plant and get vertical, which he did a good job of at Tennessee. Like when he ran those deep overs, he did still do a good job of just planning and getting vertical. And may maybe at times that's all he needs to do on that specific play. That comes to my memory. If I'm not mistaken. That's all Starry Slate needed to do on that play. He didn't have to force any missed tackles. There was just so much space created by the scheme, as you mentioned, and by Daniel Jones, getting rid of the football on time and quickly out of his hands. So I'm very excited about Hyatt. Slayton had a touchdown in a similar on a similar play design against the Texans too, where he just caught a drag route and just ran yeah. it up the sidelines and made a couple people miss. That was a fun play too. Daniel Jones did a good job getting the ball out on that one too. So there you have it. Our breakout picks for the 2023 season. Let's see if we can hit as many as we did last year, just to go over them again. We've got breaking out Daniel Jones, Isaiah Simmons, Jalen Hyatt, Bobby Okereke, Xavier McKinney, Kayvon Thibodeau, Azizo Jolari, and Paris Campbell. Those are our breakout picks. For and Jason Pinnock. I'm sorry, and Jason Pinnock. I, uh, of course I can't miss Pinnock. All right. Thanks again for tuning into Big Blue Banter. Keep it locked and loaded. If you enjoy, please hit uh, subscribe right now on YouTube or subscribe to auto-download on iTunes or Spotify. Please like this on YouTube if you're watching. You spent the time to watch. Just click like. That's all you got to do. Still seeing way too many, uh, still seeing a horrific ratio of views or likes. I'd like to get that up. We need to get these likes up and comment too, because we'll respond as you know. Um, fortunately, I respond too often to the trolls. And it's something I got to work on as I have discussed in some of the commentary, but I'll try to lay off the troll comments, but I will obviously engage with those of you who are not trolls. So 
definitely juice up the comment section as well. Anyway, have a great rest of your week. Hopefully I'll be golfing at some point soon. Now that the season is here, I think, I think I'm kind of screwed on the golf front, which Nick is probably like, so what golf sucks. You'll be better off not spending that time doing that. But you know what? Giant season is here and I'm very, very excited. So I haven't done this sign off in a while, Nick, but let's go Giants. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.